every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Hi, welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the County Clerk in Boone County, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And today we are really excited to have Haley Watkins from King County in Washington, and she's going to be talking to us about communications, social media, and the vote-by-mail system that King County has been perfecting over the last 10 years. So welcome very much to the show. Thank you for having me. So we always start out with the same question, how did you end up working in the elections field? So I have been a communications specialist with King County Elections now for almost two years. And in the 10 years prior to that, I uh, worked on actually the other side. So I was in campaigns before I started working in elections. I did communications work on campaigns kind of across the board, uh, everything from paid communications. So, you know, the digital ads, the junk mail, political mail that we all get. I was responsible for writing some of that wonderful junk mail, uh, radio ads, TV ads, kind of all of those things, as well as kind of the general strategy of the communications from campaigns. About two years ago, I started a family and was looking for something maybe a little more stable and a little less crazy than campaign politics and just ran across King County elections. It felt like a really good fit. I was really interested in making the leap to government work and had been kind of looking around. And uh, when I met with the team at King County elections, it just felt like that was the place for me to be. They were really looking for somebody who had kind of a more strategic communications background like I was coming in with. So it was just kind of a match made in heaven. And I've been here two years now. I do everything from our social media to um, working with the press and earned media, prepping any kind of presentations and our director for any interviews, as well as kind of the larger general communications and voter education strategy for the organization. So I'm sure you had going into 2020 an idea for the kind of communications and education you wanted to put out. How did you have to adapt to that? Did you have to kind of change the strategy as you went along? I knew that 2020 would be kind of a lot of crowded airspace. There'd be a lot of people talking about elections, how elections work, how voting works, kind of all of those things. You kind of go into a big presidential year knowing that that's going to be a big topic of conversation and knowing that voters are a bit more tuned in in a presidential election than they are in a non-presidential year. And it was really for me about how do we you know, make sure that our information, which is the information right from the source, we are the folks who can tell you this is exactly what you need to do to make sure your vote counts. What's our hook and how do we stand out from kind of that larger narrative around a presidential election? Early in 2020, we started throwing around this idea for a hit 90 campaign. Um, And what we mean by that is a hit 90% turnout campaign. In King County, being vote by mail, we tend to have some of the highest turnout in the country anyways. Um, In the 2016 presidential election, we were at 82% turnout, and our previous high was the 2012 election, which we hit uh, 85% turnout. So we thought, you know, let's kind of go big and set a goal and issue 90% turnout as a challenge to our voters 
And really kind of that gave us an umbrella of a communication strategy that we could really work through and work with. That gave us the opportunity to be like, okay, King County, we're going to hit 90%. Here's what we need to do to make that happen. Ultimately, we didn't hit 90%. We got to 86.5%, which is still a record for us. Um, but hit 90 was kind of that hook for all of our media coverage. It was the direction for most of our social media campaign. And it was the direction that we went with all of our paid um, communications, so our digital ads and print ads and newspapers as well. And it was really thinking about how we stand out. I think it's maybe relatively unique in the election administration world for a local election authority, a county election office to dedicate funding to try to promote voter turnout. And I don't mean in a way that election officials are against turning out voters. It's just kind of, I think, seen as a luxury more so. But it sounds like in King County, you all have made it a perhaps a budget priority. Has that been consistent for you all? And can you talk about how that's a policy decision for you all? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. We are very committed to, I think, call it a larger bucket than just voter turnout, because really it comes down to voter education. If we're going to hit those high turnout goals, I think as election administrators, we want to see high turnout. I, I think and hope that's exciting to all of us to see our voters turn out and feel heard. Um, and really that comes down to voter education. If voters feel confident understanding how the system works, both in you know, receiving their ballot, voting their ballot, getting their ballot back in, but also that kind of confidence in what happens behind the scenes. We see voter turnout raise as kind of a, an indication of voter trust in the system. So really that bucket is voter education. Uh, and we are very fortunate in King County and really in Washington State as a whole to have the you know, elected officials support in wanting our voters to, to know how the system works and feel trust in that system. So there is absolutely you know, room in our budget for voter education. We also, in addition to kind of this communication side, we have a program that we're really proud of called the Voter Education Fund, which is the first of its kind public philanthropic partnership with the Seattle Foundation, where we actually help fund and train community-based organizations to go out into their constituency-based communities and do voter education work on the ground. Um, and that has a focus on uh, communities that tend to be lower voter turnout. So communities of color, non-English speakers, those with disabilities, young people, um, kind of all over the map are these specialized community organizations that are already doing the work and we help provide them with the capacity and the infrastructure to do voter education and civic engagement work on top of their already existing service work. One of the things too, in addition to having a budget for advertising and, and campaigns like that, lots of places, Boone County included, don't have a budget for a dedicated communications person as well. So I know that that has a huge impact on the type of work that can be put out. First, I'm curious what you work on in order to accomplish those goals and the campaigns that you've been managing. My average day really looks like, I would say a pretty 50-50 split between kind of responding to things as they come in, as well as kind of working on larger term campaigns and projects. So I am our department's first line of contact with the media. So I'm kind of not every day, uh, particularly between elections, but definitely every day during an election period and really kind of August, September, October, every single day, we're hearing from somebody in the media asking you know, questions large and small. 
Um, a big part of my job is being asked questions and then finding the correct person who can answer that question, getting that answer from them and kind of regurgitating that out to our local media partners in a way that makes sense to the non-election technical folks. Uh, I also do a lot of our internal communication. So, you know, things like keeping our staff up to date and doing staff newsletters and updates, sending along any press clips so that folks kind of know what is happening, uh, which I think our customer service folks feel really uh, appreciative of. I help our customer service team as well with their talking points, making sure that they have what they need to explain things over the phone in a clear and concise way for our voters. And then kind of outside of those things is these kind of longer, larger term projects around these voter education campaigns, really. And really, they don't change that much year to year, largely because our election system doesn't change that much year to year. We were, you know, set up really well um, to run an election in pandemic, for example. We didn't have to have broad sweeping changes to the way that our elections run. We were already universally vote by mail. You already get your ballot in the mail. You already have to sign it and return it to us. There were no changing deadlines or moving targets or fundamental changes in the way that our elections were run this year or in 2020, which was really helpful. So it's really thinking about how we can package those things, how we can reach the folks that still are not getting the message. So we are a county of 2.2 million residents and 1.4 million registered voters. It's a lot of folks we have to be talking to. Not everybody hears the same message in the same way and absorbs it. So a lot of my job is thinking through how are we reaching communities that we haven't reached before? How are we talking about our elections and you know, what happens you know, behind the scenes and kind of front of house in a way that makes sense to your average person? And then of course, responding to questions as they come in, both from the public and from the media as well. It's a big job. It's a lot of work to do. It would be, I think, for our agency, kind of impossible to do it without a dedicated communication staffer. I will say, though, many, many counties in Washington state, uh, many of our partners, we have 39 counties in Washington. Very few of them have a communication staffer like me on staff. Many of them um, have somebody who plays dual roles. Uh, maybe that's community engagement and communications. Many times it's just the county auditor who's running point on communication. So uh, you know, folks make it work in the way that works best for them. Being King County, we do have Seattle right at the heart of our county, which does make us the largest media market. And so we are often the first ask in Washington state for how things work, um, which is why it's really important for us to have a role like mine. You mentioned your work with the media, obviously a very big part of your job. I'm, I'm curious, do you do any proactive things with local media in your, in your uh, market? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we really consider, especially our local media, to be a really key partner in transparency around our elections. It's really important for us to provide access, not just when they reach out, but to do what we can to help make sure that they have the information that they need ahead of time as well. So I think one of my favorite examples of this was ahead of our presidential primary back in March. That is the only election in Washington state in which you have to declare or pick a party preference. We don't register by party here in Washington. Uh, and Washingtonians are very, very suspect about having to tell anybody what their political party is. We heard from a lot of voters, they were very upset about it. But we wanted to make sure that our media partners understood kind of the nuances and the ways that people could disqualify their ballot, maybe a little bit easier than 
a normal election. So for example, um, in the presidential primary, again, you get the ballot sent straight to your home. On the envelope where you sign, you normally just sign. This time you have to pick a political party and then sign. And then you have to vote for one candidate from that political party that you voted. Now, if you vote for somebody in the opposite party, that disqualifies your ballot. If you want to write a snarky write-in on the opposite party's write-in line, that disqualifies your ballot. So there are a lot of extra ways in a presidential primary that you can get your ballot challenged or rejected. We wanted to make sure that the local media really understood how that worked and then understood what our process behind the scenes looked like in maintaining uh, integrity around both the party preference piece and the rejection piece. So we invited them in to have a press day where we walked them through uh, kind of what to expect from us, what the process looks like. We even gave them kind of a hands-on sorting activity so they could see the hands-on sorting that we have to do in a presidential primary election. So then they could understand why it might take us a little bit longer to process those ballots than in a normal election. Uh, and really gave them an opportunity to ask us questions before we even sent ballots out the door to our voters. Uh, and I think that really helped both make sure that we were getting coverage out there of that process before our ballots went out the door and help make sure that those folks who would be explaining it to a lot of people had the information that they needed ahead of time and that they felt really solid in that understanding rather than the kind of like, oh, I think this is how it works, so I'm going to run with it that we sometimes see. I think St. Louis County has communications people, but if you are a county that does not have that and many i think don't even have a social media presence some don't even have website presence and maybe they don't need to because they are a small enough market that the editor of the local papers on speed dial and they don't feel like they need that but for a county that might just be starting out especially after 2020 and hearing how important it is to have ongoing communication and transparency and provide different avenues for voters to be able to get in contact with them what advice do you have and what kind of investment do you think is necessary in order to do it well? You know, the first thing to think about is both what your goals would be around this kind of communication and then thinking really realistically about the resources that you have to put to it. Um, it doesn't have to be really even a big dollar amount. Can you carve out a couple hours a week to spend on social media? Social media, I think, would be kind of the first place to go to build a you know, communication strategy. Voters are already on social media. There is already information about elections on social media. And when you are not there and don't have a presence, then you're kind of missing out on opportunity to reach voters where they are already at. In King County and in many, many of our colleagues operate primarily on three platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You don't necessarily have to operate on all three, although they do have different audiences. So again, kind of thinking about what your community looks like can be really helpful in determining, you know, do I need to be on just one? Do I need to be on all three? Facebook is getting older and older, I would say. Um, the average Facebook user is over 40 at this point, but there's a lot of really valuable content on Facebook and people actually read Facebook posts and share important information into constituency and neighborhood-based groups, um, which is where we find that very helpful. Twitter, it tends to be a bit younger and it's a really great way to reach media. Reporters are all on Twitter for the most part and to put out kind of quick action alerts, quick updates, 
on what's happening. Uh, Twitter moves a lot faster. And I would say of the three platforms, for me, Twitter is the biggest time suck because it just, you have to be posting kind of three to five times a day. We get most of our questions coming at us from social media through Twitter, and it does take quite a bit of time. If you are not in a media heavy county or media heavy jurisdiction, I think you can largely skip Twitter at this point. And then Instagram is, in my opinion, the most fun platform to be on. It's often kind of the safe space of social media. It's largely a photo and video driven platform. So there is that piece to think about it uh, with. You do have to have some kind of graphics to go with whatever you're posting. But negative comments are much fewer and further between on Instagram than any other platform that we see. And there's a lot of fun features on Instagram if you, you know, want to get creative and, and do have a little bit more time to spend. We do a lot of Instagram stories, for example, of kind of behind the scenes. So I will go up to our ballot processing floor, film our sorting machine with ballots flying through, for example, and post that on our Instagram stories with kind of an explanation of what's going on. Um, so Instagram can be a bit more fun. I would say if you only have time for one to focus on Facebook, because that is where, you know, the vast majority of folks will be. Even younger folks who are not on Facebook as often, many of them still have Facebook profiles and will check it occasionally. You know, mom can share a Facebook post with them about how to get their ballot if that's helpful to them. So that's where I would focus. But it can, it can be really, really tough. I would say I am our only communications person in King County. If I had my way, we would hire somebody just to focus on social media. It can be that big of a job. Uh, I would also say to really, you know, think realistically about what your presence is going to be like. Elections, offices, government departments, we're not going viral on social media, and that's okay. All you need to do is kind of slow and steadily build up a presence by putting out good information, you know, tag local news sources, share it out as much as possible, and ask if you have any, you know, community partners, does the library have a page and they can share out your post? You know, do other departments in your jurisdiction have pages where they can share out your information? Especially around election time, we saw a lot of folks who were willing to either share our content or put out a message similar to our content, um, just about deadlines and what to expect and kind of those basics one, two, three of voting to help make sure that folks have the information that they need. I would say that if you are going to be on social media to be prepared to get questions, um, you certainly don't get a flood of questions every single day on social media, but in the run up to an election, you know, during an, an election period or an early voting period, you probably will get some questions. So make sure that if you are going to be posting that you are able to carve out some time to answer those questions as they come in as well. You mentioned some of the things you do about taking video of ballot sorting and stuff like that to try to have content to put out on social media and things. One challenge that I found when we first started having a dedicated PIC here in St. Louis County was making sure that that person was tied into what was going on throughout the whole office and all of our operations. How do you make sure you understand what everybody's doing? So one, you can answer questions. Two, you can make posts about cool stuff going on, stuff like that. Yeah, well, it was a lot easier when we were all in the office together pre-COVID. Working from home, it is a bit more of a challenge, but when I first started, I used to just get up from my desk and go make the rounds. I'd go walk the ballot processing floor and be like, hey guys, what's going on up here today? What have you got for me? 
But I think beyond that, it's really about having solid relationships with my coworkers. I am in a lot of our planning meetings. I'm in a lot of our, you know, kind of daily or weekly update meetings so that I understand what's happening at the organizational level as much as possible at all times. Sometimes I'm in meetings that are, you know, leadership meetings or manager and supervisor meetings. I'm not a manager or supervisor, but sometimes I do need to be in them to know what's going on so that I can answer questions um, and, and have a pulse on the organization. It is really important um, that if you're going to have somebody in this role, that you have trust in them as well uh, to give them access to to what they need to have access to, which is a lot of things uh, if you're going to have kind of that steady stream of interesting content. Speaking of the process, King County in general has a lot of experience with vote by mail. And you mentioned earlier that COVID hadn't really impacted the way that elections were run because of having so much experience working on, on vote by mail and having voters used to it. So can you explain a little bit for counties that have not done a vote by mail election before, can you speak a little bit about how voters' perceptions have been and what has been kind of fine-tuned in King County over the years? Yeah, absolutely. Let me start by giving you a little history of vote by mail in Washington state. So we have been voting by mail and voting absentee for a really long time. We have had no excuse and permanent absentee in Washington state since the mid eighties. And in 2005, the legislature made it possible for counties to choose to go entirely vote by mail. King County, we're the, by far the largest county in the state. We're responsible for about a third of our state's voters. Uh, we made the move in 2009 and then the last holdout uh, to have polling places made the move in 2011. Since then, every single county in Washington state has been entirely universally vote by mail with no polling places. Um, so our voters have had a solid 10 years to really get used to this. Uh, but even before we made the move, about 85% of our voters were already opting to vote absentee with that no excuse permanent absentee process, uh, which I think made our transition uh, a little softer than some of the transitions that some other counties around the country have had to make this year uh, in that, you know, so many of our voters were already voting by mail. It was a pretty smooth transition for us. Um, and then perception, perception wise, now our voters, I think, overwhelmingly love to vote by mail. We hear constantly from our voters that they love getting their ballot in the mail. Sometimes they don't even know an election is coming up and then they get that ballot in the mail. And they're like, oh, great. Now I need to vote for, you know, my school bond or the fire district or whatever the special election is um, where they would not have even known to turn out in person. Um, I think that's part of why our turnout is so high. Um, and we hear from folks all the time that they love to, you know, kick their feet up on the couch, uh, have their cup of coffee or have their glass of wine, whatever it may be, and really take their time to vote. Um, there's no, you know, rushing into a voting booth. There's no waiting. There's no feeling rushed to pick a candidate that you haven't done research on. You can sit there with your ballot for up to about two and a half weeks and make your decisions. Um, and prior to voters getting their ballots, they also get a voter's pamphlet from both the state and their county uh, that has voter statements in it from each candidate, explanations about what the ballot measures are, uh, and voters have the opportunity to really go through that, make their decisions, and they usually get their ballot in the next couple of days, and then have 18 days to get that ballot back to us. 
Uh, it's a process that has worked very well for them, but I will say that transparency is a really, really key part in that piece, in that comfort as well. Um, in King County, we have webcams live where folks can watch us process their ballots 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to process those ballots, but our cameras run. And then I think another big piece of the kind of transparency puzzle is that in a vote by mail environment, all of that processing is happening in one place. There's not hundreds of polling places. Tabulation happens in about 400 square feet for all of our 1.4 million voters. And you can watch it live on camera. But I do think that that piece helps build that trust, which then helps build the perception around vote by mail in a very positive way. I can't remember who made this juxtaposition. It might have been the National Vote at Home Institute, but back in the spring when COVID was really just mushrooming across the country, Wisconsin had, I think, a primary, their presidential primary, and it was racked with controversy, hours-long lines in some places, people waiting out in the cold. And there was Washington State, I think, having their primary at about the same time. No issues, everybody, you know, voting by mail, voting at home kind of thing. You already said there's a high level of confidence in the system in, in Washington state, but do you think that juxtaposition kind of brought home the message to Washingtonians that this really is a good system and you know it's secure, that kind of thing? Absolutely. I think that we heard in the 2020 election from more voters than ever about how grateful they were for the way that we vote, right? We all saw that national news that played out really, you know, from March all the way through November of, you know, voters waiting in line for four, six, eight, 10, 12 hours in places around the country of being turned away from their polling places for whatever reasons. And we just heard from so many of our voters that they were thankful and grateful for the way that we vote and that they already knew that our system works and works well because it, it's not just the presidential election we're running that in. We're running that same process for you know every race up and down the ballot, four elections a year, every year for the last decade. Even though it's been happening for a solid 10 years, is always looking for ways to kind of improve the system. What are some of the things that are kind of tips and tricks for anyone that is either doing vote by mail or maybe thinking about vote by mail? It's definitely been an evolution. We didn't start on day one of universal vote by mail being where we are right now. In King County and in many of the counties across Washington State, we are very fortunate now 10 years down the road to have facilities that are maximized for vote by mail. In King County, our, we took our facility down to the studs when we moved in and it was rebuilt specifically to process vote by mail elections in a secure way. We worked with consultants who do security for casinos, for example, um, on how to get our second floor locked down. And for us, I think, you know, we are constantly looking for efficiencies. There are hundreds of ways we have done that. And I would encourage jurisdictions to reach out to King County as well if they're interested. In early 2020, as the pandemic hit and grew, we had about 20 jurisdictions around the country reach out and ask us, oh my gosh, how do we do vote by mail? And at that point, we pulled together a toolkit that includes things like checklists and procedures, uh, and we shared that out with the jurisdictions that asked. So please feel free. We still have that toolkit. Uh, we are happy to share it with other folks. 
And I would also say that investing in things like the equipment to do vote by mail is really critical. If we were to try to process our vote by mail ballots by hand, it would take us months to do that. And we don't have months before certification happens. And really finding vendors that know what they're doing and that you can trust to work with you throughout the whole process is really, really critical. We have a high level of trust in our vendors and we've been partnering them now for almost 10 years uh, and really feel like that has helped smooth out any bumps along the way. But there is so much technical that goes into running a strong vote by mail election. I could not even cover it all. You know, how are you going to verify signatures? In King County, we do that all with human eyes. There's also the option to go with a signature verification software, which many counties use. How are you maintaining your voter rolls in a way that, you know, keeps them kind of up to date minute by minute as much as possible so that when you're pulling that big file to get it printed and send those ballots out, uh, that you have the best addresses for people. Uh, and then I think it was really important for us as a county as well to think about what we do in-house versus what we contract out. So we contract out things like printing, insertion of our ballots, then our printer is our, also the mail house who gets those delivered to USPS to get them out the door to our voters. Uh, many, many other things we do in-house. So we bring on anywhere from 200 to about 600 temporary staff every single election period to help us process an election. But many of those uh, temporary staff are folks who come back election after election after election, and who, even though they only work for us temporarily, have been doing this for a long, long time and are experts in their piece of the puzzle. And again, I, I think one of the best things about vote by mail is that all of that processing happens in one place. So all of those temporary staff are not sent out into the world to polling places. They are managed, trained, and overseen in one spot by leads and supervisors through every step of the process. A big component I know of vote-by-mail systems in, in many places I know in Washington are the ballot drop boxes. You know, probably a pretty large percentage of your voters return the ballots that way. I was talking to Rick Barron from Fulton County, Georgia, and he mentioned to me that the folks that go around and collect the ballots from their ballot drop boxes were being harassed by people on occasion. What kind of security do you have for the folks that go collect your ballots? And was there any harassment uh, up in your neck of the woods? You know, we are very fortunate. And this could be, again, that we're 10 years in at this point. But our Dropbox collection staff did not face much or any real harassment this year. We had a lot of questions from the media and a lot of concern ahead of time that our staff would be harassed or that drop boxes would somehow be sabotaged. Only incident that we had was we had one box where somebody tried to stuff feces in the little slot. So that was pretty not great to deal with. Our staff did have to go out and clean that up and make sure the slot was clear. But uh, it's certainly not what folks predicted would happen. Uh, temporary staff who are our ballot collection staff uh, they all go through de-escalation training um, so that should they have any kind of incident that they you know, feel prepared. We also, again, have ballot collection leads and supervisors. So if they have any issues whatsoever while they are out there to get back in their van, lock the door, call the supervisor, the supervisor will come out on staff 
for the presidential election, because things were so tense and there was so many concerns around the country, um, we did hire plainclothes security staff to staff each of our drop boxes the day before election day and on election day themselves. So we also had King County elections staff members at those boxes. Um, we had no issues to report. We didn't have any single Dropbox or Dropbox attendee that got harassed. Uh, we didn't have any cases of voter intimidation at our Dropboxes, which is another thing that we were prepared for. We do make sure that when we send folks out that they look very official, right? So they are in orange vests. They have on um, aprons that have our vote logo on them. They have badges with identification um, because we will sometimes get a voter who's like, well, were they supposed to be there? So we try to make it as clear as possible that this is not just a random person that somehow broke into a 2000 pound steel box, um, but that they are supposed to be there and they are there to do a job. If you're interested in what Dropbox collection looks like, Head to our Instagram page. I've actually done a couple of ride-alongs with our drive, our Dropbox collection team, um, and it's in our Instagram story highlights, so you can watch what that looks like. What advice or suggestions would you give to other election authorities that are thinking about having a, a dedicated person to public information or want to expand their, their public information role? What would you say? I would say, uh, and obviously I'm biased as the public information person, um, but I would say that I believe it's a really important uh, bucket to you know, either have somebody dedicated to, or I totally understand many jurisdictions can't dedicate an entire person to it, but to dedicate some time and thought to it. Um, voter education is really critically important. I, I personally believe that the right to vote is great, but if you do not understand what you need to do to cast your ballot and make your ballot count, then the right and the right laws are kind of moot. Um, if you cannot access the right, it's not there for you. Uh, so voter education, I think, is really, really key. And you can spend all day worrying about getting, you know, incredibly fancy and sophisticated with your communications. Um, you don't need to worry about being that sophisticated. Um, jump out there, let folks know what they need to know in as clear and concise way as you possibly can break it down. Um, and try to make sure that when you are explaining what can be very, very technical or very legalistic uh, procedures or processes to talk like a normal human being. Often when I am workshopping something, I will talk to my husband who has no idea about anything about elections and be like, does this make sense to you? Can you repeat this back to me? Um, what did I just tell you? Um, or have, you know, sometimes I'll do that with my mom or a friend, somebody who's just not in this world to make sure that the way that I'm talking about something and trying to explain it makes sense to somebody who is not entrenched in this work 24 hours a day. Um, while we are normal people, we are also not normal people. Um, we are not your average voter. Uh, and so, you know, holding that in mind as you are thinking about how you communicate with the general public is really, really important. Um, and you can keep things simple. Communications is very, very scalable. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. We were really happy to have Haley Watkins from King County, Washington, with us this episode. Hope you tune into the next what is to be the extremely exciting episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. <laughs>